The quote of the week has got to be from Cyrus Lane. Simply said, a mob is not a threat to democracy. It is democracy. (laughs) Welcome to Tough Crowd. This is Brett Blackham. And it's almost over. The whole Donald Trump era. And they had MAGA night up at the Capitol building. (laughs) And I... On the one hand, it's kind of funny because I find protests dumb. And on the other hand, it's sad. A woman was shot by Capitol Police, several people injured. People are still sorting through the data. But I wanted to isolate something. Before I get too into that, I have five politicians from whom I've drawn quotes over the last year. I'm going to quote them. And then you are going to guess which one was banned from social media. First one, Congresswoman Ariana Presley said, There needs to be unrest in the streets. Congresswoman Maxine Waters, If you see anyone in that cabinet, in a restaurant, a department store, or a gas station, you create a crowd and push them back. Tell them they're not welcome here anymore. Vice President-elect Kamala Harris said, Protesters should not let up. Speaker of the House of Representatives Nancy Pelosi said, I don't know why there aren't more uprisings all over this country. And then President Donald Trump said, Go home. Be peaceful. Respect the police. You guessed it. Twitter, Facebook, they all banned Donald Trump for, quote, inciting violence. I guess if they ban his account, we can't go back and audit. Like, well, which tweets incited violence? There are people that say certain tweets did, but that's that's like the worst possible interpretation of a man who's not good with language. Like, oh, the most awful interpretation must be the the way. Like, that, that kind of stuff's gone on for five years now. That... This doof, I, I call him a doof. Maybe he's super intelligent, but I just I just find Donald Trump gross. But I still have to defend the truth. When he says something, and other people tell me what Donald Trump said and meant, I know that what those other people said is probably wrong. They're just wrong. You can't take the worst interpretation possible from language and say, well, he means that and he feels this. Like, you don't have a... A decoder ring or a crystal ball. You can't read minds. You're not a wizard. That's just gross. So everyone out there telling me that Donald Trump incited an insurrection. That's the thing I believe the least in the known universe right now. I'm sorry. I I don't believe anything that people say when they tell me that Donald Trump did or said a thing or believes a thing. I'm sorry. I don't. I'll go find it out myself. And Twitter bans it. I'm going to assume it was just bullshit. Excuse the language. Um, I don't know how CNN's going to come down on this. In hindsight, we're still sorting through all the data, but maybe it was mostly peaceful. (laughs) It's a mostly peaceful protest. Oh, man. I'll, I'll say this about protests. It's a low IQ activity. We're going to get together and and be a mob. I'm like, I'm sorry, madness. <laughs> I forget who said it. Madness 
is the exception with individuals, but the rule with groups. So if you're going to go out and be in a group to protest, dumb stuff is going to happen. Madness is the rule with groups. I'm going to teach all my kids ever, like, if there's a protest, go in the opposite direction. Nothing good comes of it. Like, the most peaceful protest, like, in a literal sense, not in a CNN, there's a fire in the background peaceful protest. No. The literal peaceful protests, in the end, they don't do anything. Like, look at the Tea Party rally. These people got together, and they waved flags around, they say, we're taxed enough already, protesting Barack Obama or whatever the heck they were doing. I kind of like that idea because we are taxed enough already. People (laughs) revolted against King George because he put like a 5% tax on their breakfast drink. Are you kidding me? Half our money is either devalued or literally taken off us in form of taxation. But aside from the point, that group cleaned up after itself. It came, they made a big thing, and then they cleaned up after themselves and they left. And it was like nothing happened. The taxes go down? Not really. Not till the Trump administration. So the protest did nothing. That was the most peaceful protest ever. It did nothing. And you look back to the 60s, like, did that do much? Maybe it did. And legislation to pull back some of the stupid government laws. Because that's really what systemic oppression is is if there's a system that's oppressing people based on how they look, which is stupid, then that system should change the rule. The modern definition of systemic oppression is, look, there's a disparate outcome. There must be oppression. Nope, not the way it works. Oppression is like a... <laughs> it's a literal rules or someone holding you down. If there's no oppression, it just is the result. We're somewhere in between those things because we don't have a purely free society. There's a joke I've said before on Twitter. I I wrote it out this week again, so it's fresh on my mind. But in response to someone who said something along this line, I said, in a free society, the bell curve dictates poverty and wealth. In a statist society, the government dictates poverty and wealth. In a mixed economy, results are mixed. So... That might be one of the truer things I've ever said. At any rate, I find protests super low IQ. If you want society to be better, teach your neighbors to not be dependent on the state for a salary, pension, or benefit. A very difficult sale. But that's the way to a free society, in my opinion. You can't go on the the devil's playground, the legislative bodies of the government's and try to make things better, because it will just make things worse. Force is a corrupting influence in the human mind and soul. So yeah, mobs, madness, stay away. All right. Um, one thing I did find interesting is after those protests, even now, it's days later, we're still sorting through what really happened, because it's kind of it's kind of ambushed all of us. Like, what the hell is even going on over there? But there was almost a uniform on the same day. Prominent politicians and media people saying that President Donald Trump should be impeached for inciting this riot. Like, even when the evidence is being compiled, everyone comes to the same conclusion. And he's banned from the social medias. I'm sorry. (laughs) Either you're all intensely stupid. Intensely stupid. Or you're plenty smart and you're just playing a game. Everyone gets the same 
memo every morning, and they go out and hit the same drumbeat of the same thing, sometimes in the same language, not even pretending like, oh, we all came to this conclusion independently. No, there's a memo, and everyone says the same thing today. So that's pretty transparent if you just take a step back and and chill your emotions and try to maybe ask a question. Ask a question. Maybe three or five questions. And beyond that, if I could teach you just one thing on this whole political government part of life, is do not support a political party or a politician. Do not support ideas that you think are good. And hopefully you have the moral character that went, okay, these ideas I thought were good, I think there are better ideas that have been presented, so I'm going to hold on to those better ideas. There's some good to be found in any political party. There's also evil in every political party. So if we can abandon the idea of team sport or a religion trying to worship the god of state power and just support ideas you feel are good, And oppose those you feel are bad. Sometimes you'll have to change parties. Sometimes you'll have to drop a politician like uh, yesterday's underwear. Gone. My wife hates it when I drop the underwear. Anyway, side point. The question was asked, is this a national embarrassment? Is there such a thing? Are we embarrassed nationally of stuff that happens? What's a national embarrassment? So, Kurt the Libertarian had a great comment on this idea said, I feel exactly zero embarrassment or shame for what happened at the Capitol. The whole idea of a national embarrassment is dumb. The capital B. He continues, I'm supposed to feel shame because of something someone else did? Question mark. Ooh, there's the thought du jour. Someone else did a thing. Should you feel guilty? No. I, I would venture to say that most psychologists would agree with me. Like, that is a pathology, to feel guilt for something someone else did. My grandfather did a thing and he stole property from a guy, blah, 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 blah. Do you feel guilty? I mean, he didn't do it. I suppose to make, if it was possible to make recommendation or uh, reparations, you could give the property back if you still owned it. But if you didn't, it's kind of out of your hands and you shouldn't feel guilty. You just, it, it is what it is. But feeling guilty for something, like, or feeling embarrassed, like, you should feel embarrassed or guilty for things you do that are wrong when you know they were wrong. You're not guilty for what other people did, so don't feel embarrassment for what other people did. All right, here's one from Jeff Wozniak. He said, apparently government doesn't like no-knock raids when it happens at their place. (laughs) maybe the best comment of the week i know i started with a good one but that's all it was is maga night at the capitol it was a no-knock raid and it did not go well yeah apparently the government does not like that when you just break into their house (laughs) i will say on protests we're getting better (laughs) again it's a dumb activity but if you think about it all right oh i'm protesting the government. All right, what are you going to do? I'm going to set fire to my neighbor's gas station. That's not causal, you moron. 
<laughs> now, I'm going to pro- now on the other hand, I'm going to protest the government. I'm going to go to where they make rules. I'm going to slow down one of their processes because I don't like what they've done. Also stupid, but at least you've got a causal relationship with where you're doing the protest. Like, yeah, if, if guy A offends me and I punch guy D over there on the other side of the fence, I, hey, come here, boom, punch you in the nose. You know what happened? Guy A offended me, so you get the broken nose. That's an, an, another level of low IQ idiocy. But it's not much higher to do a full frontal, I'm going to occupy the government house and be a member of some group where bad stuff could happen. That's just stupid. No knock warrant. (laughs) No knock raid. (laughs) All right, let's transition from that. There will be more we learn about it post hoc. Um, The only thing, other thing I want to say is the call for censorship is a little, a little frightening under the surface. Like we're going to find out who the real authoritarians are. All, All these people who want to lump, you know, the, the couple of dozen there may be a couple hundred. I don't know how many. Again, we don't know. I don't know how many people in these mobs uh, triggered the violence and they'll get punished, I'm sure. But lumping everyone who disagrees with you into a violent group like that is evil. That's evil. A few years ago, there's this guy named Bernie Sanders. Maybe you've heard of him. He's a senator. He really worships state power and believes it can solve all your problems. And so... He can be delusional all he wants, whatever. One of his followers went to a congressional baseball game or a softball game that they hold every year to raise money for charity or whatever. And Bernie's follower asked if the people on that particular field were Republicans and then took out a weapon and started to fire upon said Republicans. Nobody died. But it. the point is, it would be very gross to say... All followers of Bernie Sanders are murderous killers at heart. Absolutely not true. Absolutely not true. But to say such a thing would be evil. The tendency to say everyone who supported Donald Trump is guilty and we need to punish them and ban them and and, and chase them into the shadows, that's going to make a mess. That's going to make such a mess. Don't do that. Don't fall into that temptation of guilt by association. Don't do it. All right. Earlier in the week, something much less violent and maybe stupider, Representative Emanuel Cleaver (sighs) he finished the first daily congressional prayer of the new session with the words, Amen and Awoman. <laughs> like, you, you can't be serious. <laughs> because Amen or Amen has nothing, it means so let it be. It does not have anything to do with twig and berries. This whole, I, I, do you call it wokeness? Wokeism? Like, we've already butchered the language on the word woke, or awakened. But any time the word M, the letters M-A-N come in sequence in a word, we have to assume that has to do with an XY chromosome? It's serious? It's it's beyond stupid. I I don't even know what to say. But people on Twitter 
didn't know what to say. Some of the highlights. <laughs> One lady said, <laughs> I want to think. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I want to thank Representative Cleaver because it's been pointed out to me that I no longer menstruate. <laughs> I womanstrate. <laughs> and I saw, I saw a meme with Anakin Skywalker from the original Star Wars series where he says, not just the A-men, but the A-women and the A-children too. Interior's <laughs> faith. Uh, I saw this in a couple different spots, but the quote is, if you ever follow up an A-men with an A-woman, you are a moron. <laughs> <laughs> another lady <laughs> she says do we have to get manicures still or can we get womanicures at some point come on <laughs> yeah show me the menu actually no show me the woman you <laughs> it's not just history it's her story too <laughs> and when are we going to get a womandalorian series disney come on it's time to be woke. <laughs> well, a woman to that, I guess. <laughs> I love clever people. <laughs> and in a way, I love stupid people. Just trying to virtue signal all men and all women. <laughs> and this is the same year where they came out with rules on legislation for making it non-gender specific. It's not a mother or a father. It's a parent. It's not a daughter or a son. It's a, a child. It's not a brother or a sister. It's a sibling. They have all these rules. And then the congressman comes out to virtue signal, amen, and a woman. Mm. <laughs> I don't know where this leads, but we've got to have some gallows humor along the way, y'all. It feels a lot like the new speak stuff from 1984. If you've not read that, I highly recommend it. All right, the Honorable Princess Lexi, I call her, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. She says, it's a new day. Who's ready to push? Ready to push for retroactive COVID relief and to push for student loan cancellation, for climate justice, for health care, for voting rights, ending the death penalty. What policies do you want to push for? <laughs> I believe my response to that was, let's push for the policy of outlawing adulthood, shall we? Yeah, we want to make sure if anyone does stupid, that it doesn't hurt. Because <laughs> the last thing we want is for stupid to hurt, because then people will do more stupid. Increasing the demand for government services. Well done. Push for justice. Look at this stuff. Like Retroactive COVID relief. Maybe that's good. I don't know. The problem is you can't print currency forever without it having negative, negative, negative consequences. Printing money. Retroactive COVID relief. Push for student loan cancellation. That's right. That's why we have a government in the end, isn't it? We, have, we throw a little bit of breadcrumbs at the super poor and low IQ, you know, 83 and below types. We keep them fed and in a cage somewhere while they wait to die. But the rest of what government is, is to tax poorer people to redistribute that stuff to richer people. That's why we lobby government. We, we want to make sure we have a special privilege, a special monopoly, a special cartel, a special license 
So the money from the poor people flows into my bank account. That's why we have a government. So obviously, if you didn't go to college and you were responsible with your money, you should be taxed to pay for uh, Dr. Jorgensen's beach house. Absolutely. You should t- forgive his, his student loan debts. Counselor James down at the courthouse. $300,000 debt to go to law school. He makes a quarter million a year. You, who make forty grand a year, should be taxed at a higher rate to take, take care of Counselor James's starter mansion and his three mistresses. You should be taxed to pay for that stuff. All right. Climate justice. Good night. Climate justice. The longer I live, the more I'm convinced that the worst thing for the climate is government money printing. Here's my argument. But the the companies that the communists don't like are the oil companies, the natural gas companies, the energy companies that kind of fuel the economy. So yeah, they do pollute. They I guess, if, well, I'm polluting now. Carbon dioxide is a pollutant. Some people do argue that carbon dioxide is actually the most important nutrient on planet Earth. And if we had a bunch more carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, the trees would do better and there would be more oxygen and, and it would be much better. We're kind of a low end of carbon dioxide as far as what the environment should experience. But that's we'll set that aside. We'll say that carbon dioxide is a pollutant. And the transactions of the world, the, the people buying gasoline and buying products, and, and those transactions, the commercial activity is what causes that pollution. Well, what causes the consumption? That people's wants and desires, yes, but if people are just given currency that should not have currency, and they'd go out and consume, yes, we don't want them to starve to death. I understand that argument, but that causes more transactions, more consumption, more carbon dioxide into the atmosphere, more crap at the landfill, more residual effects and externalities, they say, on the environment and the, and the resources around us. So if government taxed a certain amount and then spent just that amount, that's the appropriate amount of consumption and environmental degradation for that society. But if government taxes a certain amount and then prints a bunch of money and spends that into the economy, you're creating more transactions. You are destroying the environment at a faster rate because it's always a trade-off. Modern society is a trade-off. Go to a landfill and look around. Climate justice. Climate justice, ban government debt. And also you could ban, and I don't agree with this literally, but if climate justice is your thing, you should ban people moving from third world countries to first world countries. You can't come to Europe anymore. You can't come to the United States anymore because your carbon footprint would triple. Climate justice. Healthcare. <laughs> yes, yeah, so let's push for healthcare, Alex. Sorry, Princess Lexi. Push for healthcare because if you look back before Medicare existed in 1960, Doctor visits and hospital stays were pretty cheap. Insurance was pretty cheap. And then it wasn't. And before they passed Medicare Part D, drugs were pretty treat cheap. Insulin was like 35 bucks a, a bottle. Now, <laughs> they passed Medicare Part D, that's for drugs, not so cheap anymore after a few years. Oh, and then health insurance got kind of expensive, didn't it? And so we passed the Affordable Care Act to make insurance more affordable. And it got more expensive. At a faster rate. So yeah, let's push for healthcare because government has wrecked it so bad that prices are insane. 
You need to get a permission slip to get your seizure medicine. I already know I have seizures. I'm out of, you're out of refills. You have to go to the doctor again. Why? Because the government says to for your safety. Now get over there and get your permission slip, you surf. Push for health care. Push for voting rights. I'm sorry. In a society where you need permission slips to buy seizure medicine, you should at least have a license to vote. If we license anything, we should license the ballot box. If the licenses and regulations go away, then yeah, let everyone vote because the government can't hurt you too bad. Actually, beyond that, if you're on welfare, you probably shouldn't be voting either. You have a huge conflict of interest. If you work for the state, God love you. You're probably doing a great thing, but it's probably inappropriate to be voting. And the true public servants don't. I've, I've asked about this. True public servants understand their place. Like I'm doing a thing that I love. It's working for the government and politicians run on bribing me for more stuff and I just refuse to vote. I think it's a conflict of interest. So that's what public servants do. Public profiteers, yeah, go vote, do the theft. We're all going to be dead soon anyway, I guess, right? That's the sociopathy of the modern world. Or ending the death penalty. I'm kind of on board with this because the government runs the court system and everything it, the government touches is going to be twice as expensive and it will exist to enrich the bureaucrats and get politicians elected. So the fact that we put that system in charge of adjudicating claims and disputes, not a great idea. So yeah, I, there's stuff to push for, Princess Lexi, but... Methinks your worship of the gun of state power is misguided. All right, Chance Coleman is a good follow on the Twitters. If he's still there, they're doing a purge, so it's crazy. And he says, thinking you can vote out corrupt politicians is like politely asking a burglar to leave your house. <laughs> uh, Karen Krugman, here's another quote. Most people don't possess the virtue necessary for voting. Ain't that the truth? Because what is virtue? Virtue, being good. Being good. Doing what's right, true, and good. That's virtuous. And maybe it's more, it's, virtue is really shown when no one's looking. You're all by yourself. And then you still do what's right. That's virtue. When you're voting, you're putting someone in power to have a monopoly of violence on you and your fellows. The temptation to vote for your own pocketbook. Very strong. So most, she's right. Most people do not have the virtue necessary to vote. Thomas Paine, his good quote I saw this week. He who dares not offend cannot be honest. It's true. I don't have much to add to that. Thomas, he's good at the word. If you're in an environment where you, if I say something, I might offend someone, then you can't be honest. You have to be, you have to have guarded speech. Free speech. So one of the first things that a totalitarian wants is the ability to shut you up if the state does not like what you have to say. Another comment on Twitter this week. (laughs) I've thought it in the past and it just kind of came out with the conversation I was having. The guy said something like, he's in England and he follows the United States a lot because the United States is the superpower, it's the Death Star in the galaxy. Anyway, he said that in the United States and England, I was taught we are in free countries. But the more I learned, we are not. 
we can't, we, ha we can't, we don't even have free speech, really. And my response to that was, yes, we do. In the United States, UK, and most of the civilized world, you can say whatever you want. Unless, unless, unless you offend someone that the government has decided is an inferior human. I think you should be able to speak freely and offend anyone because humans are all equal. But the state, they've got a list of people who they think are inferior beings. So just ask the people you're around, like, who can I not offend? And the person who provides the list, that person actually is the one who thinks that those people are less than normal humans. So yeah, you do have free speech. You just can't offend what the, who the government thinks is a protected group or a.k.a. Inferior beings. Sunnyside is the handle on this one. An excellent idea. Conservatives lost me years ago when they were more concerned with upholding conservative values than with personal rights. That is where they lost the culture war. Oh, truer words may have never been spoken. People that call themselves conservative. I used to be this. Maybe I still am. It just depends. If I follow good principles as far as I see it, but trying to use the state to make sure people live how you want is evil. I'll say it again. Trying to use the state power to force other people to live how you want is evil. Pure evil. Like I, let's say I want people not to smoke cigarettes. Using the government to prohibit cigarette smoking Maybe for safety. It's for safety. It's all for safety. It's for the benefit of society. It's evil. And it will have evil consequences. We prohibited alcohol years ago in the United States. We call it the Prohibition Era. And alcohol consumption increased by 300%. <laughs> for a third of you registered voters out there, I'll have to explain. 300% means... Three times the number. So the, the effect was opposite. And the, the underlying objective was, oh, we want to bring out, we want society to be more moral. We want them to be better. Well, there were tens of thousands of speakeasies that were opened in New York City alone. And beyond that, uh, the I would say cartels, the alcohol distributors, the bootleggers, they called them, they started to have an incentive to steal industrial alcohol and then sell that because it was cheaper than importing it from out of the country and from distilling it themselves. You could steal it in large volumes. So the government, remember, the government's objective was what? A more moral society and for people to drink less alcohol. Three times more people were drinking alcohol after the rules were passed. And then to make a more moral society they started to require that the manufacturers of this industrial alcohol put poisons in that alcohol. Why would they put poisons in that alcohol? To get people to stop. Well, that killed, in one batch, over 10,000 people to try to make a more moral society and for the safety of the citizens. See, government does have... If you're going to have a state, its objectives are arguable that, yeah, you, you protect the non-aggression principle. You protect Joe's property in person from Carl's and vice versa. And you protect all of us from 
theft and aggression from outside the country. There's an argument for stuff like that. But using that power that should be to just keep people's, protect people's person and property and ability to make decisions, and using that power to try to implement your conservative values or to make sure people have everything you think they should have, it's evil. And you'll have demonstrably and predictably bad results. <laughs> Here's another quote. Michael Obrenovich. He says, yeah, democracy is the purest form of fascism. <laughs> the intermingling of the state and private enterprise. Democracy. So I'm not sure I agree with him, but that's kind of that's a beautiful sentence. Democracy is the purest form of fascism. It depends on what the definition of democracy and fascism is. <laughs> All right. Cornelius Tacticus. Tacitus. I'm sure I pronounced it wrong. Anyway, he said, quote, Formerly we suffered from crimes. Now we suffer from laws. Yeah, if you can name every law that you live under, city, county, state, federal, international then you can say you're not a law-abiding citizen. If you can't name them all, you're actually suffering from laws. Here's one from John Adams. Fear is the foundation of most governments. That's true. We've all heard that before, right? I hope not. It's your first time. When the government fears the people, you have freedom. But when people fear the government, you get tyranny. You get oppression. We care about oppression, don't we? Don't we? All right. Socialism is the idea that if you cut one pizza into eight slices, there will be enough to feed everyone indefinitely. <laughs> Despite turning off the dough presses and the pizza ovens because the rich people are evil. <laughs> that was... <laughs> That's a tweet by Liberty Savage. How do people think like that? A child thinks like this. Like, oh... Everyone should get the same. There's only one pizza and 15 people. Well, we'll just keep cutting it in half and everyone will be fed. <laughs> yeah. At some point, that will be our choice. But instead of, a instead of a whole pizza, we'll have one slice to split. And instead of 15 people, we'll have 450 people. Because we spent decades paying people that had no business reproducing to reproduce. And it's not the children's fault, but then you create an incentive to perpetuate that instability. So yeah, well, eventually, someday we'll have a slice of pizza, 45 people that are hungry, and a promise from the government to bring food at some point. All right. Thomas Sowell, the man. Quote, when you require special treatment, equal treatment seems like oppression. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Joanne Bridges. Just once when an interviewee says, thank you for having me, the journalist should say, well, you're welcome for being had. <laughs> it's a little comedic break there in the list of quotes this week. Man, that, <laughs> thank you for having me. Well, you're welcome for being had. <laughs> All right, Josh Land, I loved this. He says, I wonder if people realize how many individuals in government, 
industry and bureaucracy would sacrifice a child if they believed that it would actually give them more power. Easy to believe. Look at that story about the alcohol. They killed 10,000 people to try to make everyone be more moral. All right, here's one from... It's an Arabic guy. I'm going to butcher his pronunciation of his name. Inaba Flaring Iman. Beautiful quote. He says, One of the many problems with phrases like white supremacy and systemic racism is that they are so poorly defined that they end up being used to explain anything and everything, which effectively leads them to explaining absolutely nothing. Thanks for listening. This is Tough Crowd. My name is Brett Blackham. Not a lot of jokes this week, but I hope we learned something. And to me, the biggest lesson is to keep holding on to principles that you know are good. So, till next time, make it a great week. Welcome to Tough Crowd, a podcast dedicated to jokes, philosophy, and current events. The purpose, obviously, is to entertain, educate, persuade, and above all, to give an outlet for the voices in the host's head to have their messages heard. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Before you go, I want to talk about a skill that can change your life. As you may know, buying and selling is the lifeblood of the voluntary economy. Every individual who is responsible for their own retirement needs to learn when to buy and when to sell, at least if they expect to win with money. With E-Trade, you are in full control of your financial future by accessing the analytics, tools, and platforms which allow you to successfully trade online. Whether you want to learn to trade options, bonds, ETFs, or just put that extra $112 per month into your general electric stock fund, E-Trade can be your partner in accomplishing your dreams. To make it easy and to help out the show, you can visit brettblackham.com. That's B-R-E-T-T. Blackham, B-L-A-C-K-H-A-M dot com. And click the big E-Trade button atop the page. Depending on the month, E-Trade has a gift to make it easier to get started. Sometimes it's hundreds of dollars in commission-free trades, and other times it's literal money in your investment account. Regardless of what the goodie is today, what really matters is you. So go to my website, brettblackham.com, and smash that big E-Trade button, and they'll get you started on making your future so bright you'll have to wear shades.